0: In the time of Reagan, and before the rise of Seagal, Snipes, and Van Damme, there was an age undreamed of. Unto this land came Arnold the Austrian. He was a barbarian, a demigod, a killer robot from the future, and he was destined to wear the crown of Hollywood upon a troubled brow. It is only his
1: chroniclers, Mike Gillis and Casey Doran, who can tell you of his legend. This is his saga. Podcast de la Vista, baby. And we're back. Um, Oh, after a long winter break, too. Yeah, yeah, we took a bit of a break for Captain Picard Day, (laughs) but... uh, Actually it's kind of appropriate that we're coming back to this movie cuz this movie is about returns.
0: Mm-hmm. That's we are coming out of our our ursin ursi ursin ursine, how do you say bear? How do you adjective ursine? It?
1: ur-sine. <laughs> our long ursine
0: slumber for the winter and we're coming out of actually uh Arnold Schwarzenegger's I'm
1: back moment into movies. Yeah, this was the first time in 10 years that he had been the lead actor in a movie. He had mm-hmm. done a couple things like appearing in cameo scenes in The Expendables. But before this moment, of course, we're talking about The Last Stand... From uh, the year 2013. I know, which is
0: not very long ago, but it seems like he's been back for a lot longer than that. Yeah, been a, back.
1: So this is a three-year-old movie. This is his right. return to being the lead actor in an action movie. This is his first time doing it. Before that, I believe it was 2003's Terminator 3, yeah. Rise of the Machines. That was the last yep. thing he did before he became governor of California. And after leaving that job, took a couple years off, did a couple cameos. Now he's back. I
0: think he did did the cameo in Jackie Chan's Around the World in 80 Days, and that was the last thing he did before he was governor.
1: Yeah, he did a couple of those small, tiny little roles that it was kind of neat that he was there. But (laughs) he wasn't wasn't the focus of the movie like we're doing with today. And, of course, this is The Last Stand was directed by South Korean filmmaker Kim Ji-Woon, and this is his first American movie.
0: Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. And a screenplay by Andrew Nauer, who I... Did a little bit of a search on him because I'd never heard this name Motherhood before. I... This was a spec script that he had written and had gotten made. As far as I can tell, Andrew Nower's only other feature that he's written is a paranormal sex comedy horror film. <laughs> It's called Ghost Team 1, and based on the synopsis on IMDb, it sounds a little bit late night Cinemax.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. So, well, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, the person who's joining us for late
1: night antics, we <laughs> forgot to intro who our guest is, Mike. Absolutely. We're being joined by Sean Duncan. So, mm-hmm. if you're somebody who is one of our patrons on Patreon. Oh, you know him. You're, yeah. He's infamous. <laughs> yeah. So, Sean, you were the person who had not seen uh, Soylent Green before. That's right. So, you're, you're joining us for another movie I'm assuming you haven't seen because I don't think a lot of people saw this one. That's, that's right. And in
2: fact if you need a spoiler-free perspective on any Arnold movies or almost any other movies, I'm a good resource
0: for that. (laughs) Just basically all movies, right? Just Uh, all movies. Yes,
2: I've seen Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. um, Well, that's all there is, really, right? Yeah. (laughs) I don't think there are other movies nowadays anymore. (laughs) Well, there's Marvel. I mean, they keep remaking movies, too, so it's like... They're never
1: going to remake (laughs) this movie. This movie's never going to get
0: a reboot. I guarantee it.
1: Yeah. I I think we're pretty much done with this one. But uh, anyway, Sean, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. So, Sean, one of the first things that we always like to ask people who join us on this podcast is if you could give us a little bit of your history with the movies of Arnold Schwarzenegger, you might have already, but also, uh, are you a fan of Arnold? I like
2: Arnold as a person. Um, I remember liking something he wrote on Facebook like a year and a half ago, but I forget what it was. I just remember I liked something he had to say.
0: His his personality (laughs) index is highly positive, I would imagine there in the, in the celebrity space, right? Yes.
2: Yes. Um, seems like a good guy. Um, but I'm not an expert on his movies or anything like that. Um, I liked when people pretended to sound like him on Saturday night live and just started going, like that was very entertaining. (laughs) Um, as well as, uh, when I'm playing video games, occasionally people will make that voice. Um, anyway, but that basically sums up what I know about Arnold and what I, uh, what I like about
0: him. That's so interesting because he comes at the opposite perspective of us, which is everyone can do the uh, impersonation of Arnold. And he's sitting right here, even if you haven't seen very many Arnold movies. Is know. this
1: the exception to the rule, Sean? Are you saying this is the first Arnold Schwarzenegger helmed vehicle you've ever seen? Oh, well, I guess there
2: were a couple of times when my brother was watching Terminator in the other room and I saw a couple scenes. Oh, but- wow. Is this the first complete <laughs> Arnold movie you've ever seen from start to finish? Um, un- unless you count like the Batman movie with Mr. Freeze. Oh, oh wow. that does that does count. <laughs> you count, okay? That does count. Okay, so I
0: believe wouldn't... that's called poisoning the well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, Sean, uh, if you could, for one of the things we always ask our guests, again, if mm-hmm. you could sum up the plot to The Last Stand, what mm-hmm. is this movie about? Well, I I wrote something for this. Oh, please, <laughs> there you go, A little poetry. Yes, I like <laughs> it.
2: Yep. In a world where a cartel (laughs) ringleader bribes everyone and escapes from death row and flees the FBI with unlimited tricks up his sleeves... A badass retired cop now playing sheriff in a small border town assemblies, uh, assembles sorry, a ragtag team of wannabe deputies who go bullet to bullet, fist to fist, one-liner to one-liner against a small army who recently built a bridge to Mexico while the leader <laughs> was filming the world's longest Corvette ad. <laughs> small town charm meets Arnold Schwarzenegger, whose honor is not for sale
0: in The Last Stand. Oh, very good. Yes. Very, oh, yes. That was great. <laughs> Rarely oh. do our guests prepare such a succinct and poetical description. That was good. That was, well, I think I know. I think we, we pack it up, guys. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> that was the
2: second version of it. The first one was longer and then I wanted to shorten it. Brevity
0: is the soul <laughs> of wit, my
2: friends. Yeah.
1: yeah, this is this is an interesting movie. Um, <sighs> you know what? I
0: normally watch these movies, the Arnold movies, maybe like at least 3 or 4 times. I watched this one twice. Um and getting the courage up to like to, to watch it a second time, I watched Hercules in New York no less than five times, Mike, because I wanted <laughs> to be prepared. And we, if you listen to our episode on this, you know how much of a shitstorm, unwatchable piece of garbage Hercules in New York actually is. Getting up, er, getting up the urge to watch this movie is like. Trying to get up out of bed and get out of the door to go have a fucking root canal.
1: That's oh, that's. Mm. It but was that saying, bad. It's. <sighs> I, I didn't hate this movie. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. I <sighs> I agree with you on on the first chunk of the movie, and I actually had a lot of hesitation to watching this one. This is probably the closest to airtime that I have watched the movie for the first time. Mm. I was familiar with posters for this movie.
0: No, oh, wow. and I
1: just remember Johnny Knoxville of. Jackass fame or infame, if if that's a word, Uh, he was all over the posters. He was all over the trailers that I remember in a crazy pilot's cap. I think this is during that rare brief period where they decided that he was an action hero sidekick. Oh, yeah. Um, Wait, hot off has, of,
2: that, has that period ended? Yes. I think it's ended. I kind of, I kind of liked him. You know, he was this uh, guy who had a a gun museum that was only open once a month, so that he could get a tax write off for owning a bunch of guns. And... The only way he
1: could legally own all these <laughs> yes. guns. I thought he would be all over this movie. I thought that he would dominate it, and then I would want to strangle him by the end of it. <laughs> I am I am going to say right now, I was shocked at how restrained this movie was in their use of Johnny Knoxville. I think there they, was
0: very sparing. Right. Yeah. That it was he, very sparing. I
1: think he barely would qualify for a supporting actor uh, in terms of how the Oscars, I'm not saying that he's up for an Oscar, <laughs> but I'm saying that if they were going to try to classify his performance, it's more like a guest spot because the other deputy characters like Luis Guzman, uh, uh, Jamie Alexander, and what was the other, the last guy, Rodrigo Santoro, who was a guy from, who played Paolo A Lost? they have a lot uh, more screen time than than uh, Johnny Knoxville does and i'm actually right, right. very happy about that because this could have been a much stupider movie than it was
0: yeah i'll say that the the part of the movie that won me over the most is at the beginning they're sort of introducing arnold schwarzenegger's crew and he has a i think he has a he has a staff of 3 essentially so he's got 3 cops that are going to be in the part of uh, with other people going to become the ensemble to take on the mexican
1: cartel or this one guy, I guess. This one guy in a gang of mercs, right?
0: Uh, uh, and they have the scene where they're out at Dinkum's gun museum and they're testing out like a giant hand cannon essentially um that scene played for played for laughs plays guzman really well louis guzman who is the other comedy relief who he's much he is much better in this movie i would say than johnny knoxville is um was really well done that scene is tight right there. that's a
1: bit like, where the the one deputy who later gets killed it's like an elephant gun <laughs> in a revolver
0: yes they're shooting a giant side of beef with this broadside of a barn, yeah, the, sort of thing. The Johnny
1: Knoxville has got to be like the local kook gun nut, and that they're just blasting hot chunks out of the side of beef. <laughs> this is like Rocky on steroids here at this point. And uh, the recoil of the gun has the young deputy, it recoils back and bashes him in the face. It looks like it breaks his nose.
0: I, I mean, I love Louis Gozman, and uh, he's. I'm glad that they pick more of him than they do for Donny Knoxville. Yeah, because he's a, he's a much better comedic comedic sort of foil. I guess yeah, it's like
1: sriracha or pepper or something. It's like <laughs> too much goes a long way, so right. you just have a little dash of Knoxville on your movie. <laughs> just, just have him come out. Just a hint, a yeah. skosh of Knoxville. Yeah, and I, I kind of. I mean, it's kind of still crazy. The thing I like is that again, this movie could have been much stupider than it is. Uh, I love the commitment to it being an R-rated movie that this movie has. Like, there's a bit. Yeah, there's the... no tits and ass in this movie. No, but it does have a couple f-bombs, kind of yeah. judiciously sprinkled through. Motherfucker, Arnold it...
0: Schwarzenegger saying motherfucker.
1: It probably has as many f-bombs as Knoxville, where it's just kind of nicely sprinkled through. It's it's seasoned with fuck.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so... is
1: this is this like uh, like where they have like a certain
2: Number And they have to make sure it's like in the right frequency. You don't want to use up all them
1: all in one scene. Yeah, we're you not know? like this isn't Glenn <laughs> Gary, Glenn Ross. We're not talking like an Alec Baldwin uh, monologue here, but it was I think they were definitely rated R. Um, I do like that. There's a lot of um, emotionally satisfying murders in it. Like the farmer who's Harry Dean Stanton, by the way. Oh my God.
0: Can I say that my interest in this movie dropped off considerably as when Harry Dean Stanton, after 90 seconds of screen time, gets a CGI ragdoll version of himself blown off of a tractor.
1: (laughs) Uh, What a waste. (laughs) What a waste. He's so good. He does get to threaten a bad guy played by Peter Stormare with a shotgun.
0: Wait, can I ask you two, is Peter Stormare trying to do a Texan accent? I don't know. Because what the fuck? He, he sounds like he's trying to curl some of those
1: vowels a little mm-hmm. bit, but Peter Stormare's accent will always be his accent. Can we just uh, ask this question openly? What is Peter Stormare's real accent? What does he actually no, sound know. like? Because I have no idea. I don't know either. It's always something. He's the Russian guy in uh, Armageddon. He's the weird kind of Swedish quiet guy in Fargo. Oh, yeah. He's always somebody who's a little bit weird, but I don't know what the fuck he actually sounds like. But uh, All I know is that he's wearing a leather vest, a black
0: leather vest, driving a truck, and he's like... Curling his R's around, making him sound like he's supposed to be a Texan in this. And it doesn't make any sense.
1: That's the problem, is I don't have that that common denominator of what he actually sounds like. So I can't tell you <laughs> if this is a bad accent or not. It might actually be how he talks.
0: But I like his character because he definitely enjoys what he's doing. Like, he enjoys just being as cruel as he possibly can be to everyone around, including um, what when he sees a an attractive young teenager in the street and he pulls out his antique revolver and decides that he wants to shoot it yeah. like for, for no reason other than I ooh I like that ass and then he wants to sh- blow it away for it and he just he's just cackling it's fantastic. It
1: is. I do like. <laughs> there's a bit near the end. Again, this this commitment to just people getting awful endings to their lives <laughs> is there's. It, I did not expect this happening at all. There's a bit where uh, the bad guys running away. The the gatling gun that they just opened up on the bad guys with out of the back of that school bus mm-hmm. is out of ammo, and they're closing in on Johnny Knoxville, and he pulls out what looks like a flare gun.
2: Which oh, is yes. that was awesome.
1: It's not a real gun. This is what you use to let people know I'm in an escape raft. <laughs> don't worry folks, I'm over here. Um he blasts this guy in the back with this thing, and I guess it fires missiles. Yeah, because... how he exploded and oh, limbs he just went been... flying. I didn't know flare guns could do
0: that. No, must the guy be... had a gun belt on his back and grenades are around oh! him, so it set off oh. the, the bullets and the grenades, and that's oh. why he blew up like a grenade. Because
1: he burst into flames and then explodes. Yes, it was like yeah. when it's like in, when you play Doom and you shoot that <laughs> barrel near one of those those guys that shoot
0: fireballs. He was basically a human red barrel. Yeah, yes, okay. Yes.
1: Okay, that it makes sense yeah. now because I watched that going, "Holy shit, even the flare guns are overpowered in this movie." <laughs> well,
0: sp- speaking of what's a- what's atypical for this for an Arnold movie, and it's definitely the I know that from reading the uh, IMDb trivia that this was a script that was originally given to Liam Neeson. I, w- I yes. think it's Liam Neeson. So you can imagine now everyone oh. thinks of Liam Neeson as the sort of the badass from Taken and had they he probably had done taken before this i think he had done taken before taken was
1: like 2008 so right. that was about 4 or 5 years so, so they had
0: taken in mind when they wanted to of him. course they did so now he's the badass and and if you're you're putting in this perspective it's interesting that the way they adapted it to be arnold because they had all these jokes about like he, he, this this character backstory about oh I, I was in Los Angeles and uh, my life was exciting and it's not all it's cracked up to be kid right yeah, and now I'm some, old and yeah, now yes. I'm old and that's the through line for his yeah that's for his character
1: they have that sort of the younger deputy who wants to go and see adventure and Arnold's been the guy who's seen some shit and says no you know you know helping a cat out of a tree is a much better life right because you don't have to murder a bunch of people you don't have to see death the way that he has. Um, I think Arnold did a good job with that. This is the first movie where we get to see old Arnold. Yep. That the last movie, of course, that he was the lead in Terminator Three. What is he in his mid to late forties at that point? Sure. So I mean, you have Arnold kind of. I mean, he's older. Arnold really there, but I mean, you can still be a boxer in your late forties, right? So you yeah. can
0: obviously, if you're if you got a good enough uh, physique and constitution, you can sell it. But yeah, no, he's definitely he definitely. The amount of times they cut around Arnold in any of the fight scenes with with a stunt double, you realize that Arnold is really getting up there. Like yeah. he cannot do what he used to be able to do.
1: And I think it also maybe it's a little bit hurt you know, it hurts a little bit. It's kind of like if you've ever had a really old dog before <laughs> and you just know they have they still have the enthusiasm to do all the stuff they, they did when they oh. were young. And you watch them try to run up the stairs. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a little less hard if it's your dog and you've seen that gradual sort of decline. But with Arnold, there's that ten year period where he's not doing action and then suddenly i gotta give them credit for just steering into it and going yeah Yeah. he's an old dude no and he
0: feels earnest that's the thing is he has came a long way uh since the early 80s where you know conan where he could barely act like he he does he sells the idea that he is an old sheriff and he gets he kind of gets bullied around by people in town all the time that's a that's a constant running gag is that he's the sheriff but all the people in town can just basically say, No, I'm not gonna do what you say. Like and that, that becomes that becomes part of the the contrast for when he starts sniping people out of the side window of his SUV with a shotgun.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're like, whoa, where'd this come from? Yeah, he can one hand that shotgun too. I mean the thing is he is older, but he can still fire uh Johnny Knoxville's super gun with one hand. Yeah. Okay. Here's
2: yeah. what I wonder if they had Liam Neeson um would did I say his name right? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Um, would they have done up? Like, would would it have been different? I mean, because I don't think of him as being this old guy who, like, I feel like Arnold's older than Liam. What do you think? That may just be perception, but, but oh,
0: but I mean, what do you, I mean, I'm, but Liam Neeson could play an, a guy who's old and retired and who's you know his whose joints ache. Oh, speaking of of, of constitution and and uh, physiology, I'm skipping to the end here, but. I think, uh, at the end, (laughs) at the end when... He's brought in the bad guy, towing him behind his car, skipping along, and and Arnold Schwarzenegger is sitting on the sidewalk on the curb, and the EMT is like helping him patch up his wounds. He has had no less than two times that an artery of his in his leg has been ruptured, and he's just sort of like, no, I'll be fine. He doesn't need a vascular surgeon (laughs) there like immediately
1: to sew up the fucking blood that's spurting out of his leg like a fountain. Oh, he wouldn't have been (laughs) able to drive back to town. (laughs) I mean, but that's the thing, is that the thing you learn in a lot of movies like this that are about a retired badass coming out of retirement to kick more ass, sort of your Dark Knight Returns moment, is that if you're just grizzled enough, and if you're just angry enough, and if you're just masculine enough, you can power through, and that age actually makes you more, not less powerful. Well,
0: Well, you're made out of more scar tissue than before, so right oh yeah. yeah
1: it's just a bit of sort of weary badassness you mm. can just mm-hmm. kick everybody's ass i mean that's why he still gets the feats of strength that he has because if this is deterioration of arnold then he was a superstar <laughs> wait is
0: this it was this a celebration of festivus Is uh, this movie was a festivus movie go on sorry but
1: yeah there are definite feats of strength but yeah um i i do kind of love that you do get those moments with arnold there's a bit where he tackles a guy in midair shoots him in the head while dying and then tackles him through a window off a side of a building. Right, through through like an
0: awning and then onto boxes or something.
1: Oh, there's always something there to break your fall, even though the boxes would just turn you into mud. (laughs) I mean, but then again, he's Arnold. That's why he can drive back to town without every time he pushes the gas on that car, just like half of his blood comes out of his leg.
0: Well, you know where this movie ended up falling apart, as far as Arnold in this movie fell apart for me is, so... um, Harry Dean Stanton gets murdered and uh, he's tipped off. His deputies are tipped off and they go there to investigate. And so there's a, there's a very small part of this movie that's a detective story, although it doesn't last for very long. And Arnold is standing, he says, his line is like, first the guys at the diner, now the fugitive, and this, it's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, Arnold, no, we need to go back to the part where you're blowing people's blowing people's heads off from 30 feet with a shotgun from the window of a moving SUV. That's yeah. where we need to go back to. He gets
1: to. At those brief moments of being a detective where he's like, did you check for the tire tracks outside? <laughs> no, but, it's no like, but that's contained to like a seven minute section of
0: the yeah. movie and then after that everyone knows what's going on and they're completely dispensed with the idea that we need to care about yeah. the mystery.
1: Well, there's no mystery because they drive <laughs> to follow those tire tracks that Arnold mentioned and they're the bad guys acting out the plot of the movie near the ravine and they're like, oh shit, now we know what everything's going on. <laughs> and and they're building that bridge out there. But for the
0: briefest of moments, you were in a genre picture, and then a detective movie, and then it was over.
1: But that's the thing: is I kind of like how willing to do manual labor these mercs are, <laughs> because you imagine if you're that good at killing people, you wouldn't lower yourself to building a bridge out of whatever that erector set that they have is to go over that ravine into Mexico.
0: They look like they're they look like they're the uh, they're in Cobra. All those guys do they have their shirts off and tattoos? They've got like some flair. They all look like they—they've they like got a lot of personality in the way they dress.
2: Yeah, I've—I've I've got to wonder how the uh, cartel ringleader orchestrated all of this and had a semi truck with like I guess a snowplow style. Oh, yeah. front yep. to it. And how did he pay all these people? And like, how does he have an army in every town that's ready to take orders? And that's that? the
1: thing. Is the beginning of this movie feels like I mean, this is this has always been me beef with the beginning of the movie. Is it? All of the bits that are derivative feel very obvious at the beginning of the movie, including the super criminal who has a high-tech escape from the – in this case, Forrest Whitaker, who plays the sort of long-suffering, angry – um, FBI agent, who's probably this guy's arch nemesis. Now,
0: now that's now that's the worst part of the movie to me. Actually, all this, all the parts that fall flat for it being an Arnold movie um, are nothing in comparison to this thing that they borrow from the Bourne trilogy, which is the cutaway to, of the action is guys in a room on computers, like figuring out stuff. And the, that is so that's such a boring way to deal with exposition. Yeah, and I I don't like it. it does, it's it's barely done capably in the Bourne movies, and it gets so tiring
1: well the thing is at the beginning of this movie you can tell where the screenwriter has watched all of these movies as a film student it's like he's watched the usual suspects and he's watched fast and the furious and he's watched the fugitive of course and it feels like we're watching echoes of echoes right so yeah of course there's like a heist escape where they like Capture the car with a giant magnet on the back of, like, a piece of construction equipment. And, yeah, of course, they go across zip lines, and they have the thing where the guy goes into the elevator with his, his orange jumpsuit on and comes out the bottom, and he's adjusting his tie and coming out. Right. We've seen this a thousand times. We've seen this version of this crusty FBI agent hunting them down. It's Forrest Whitaker who I think gives things an air of legitimacy that another actor wouldn't because he's a good actor. But we've seen this character a thousand times whether it's Sam Jackson or Tommy Lee Jones. Right, right. There's no part of the first 30 minutes of this movie that doesn't feel like a knockoff of another movie. It's like very point break or, I mean, any of those things we've seen a thousand times with the hip, cool people, like the superstar rock criminal who escapes from prison <laughs> and immediately gets into his supercar. Right,
0: right. There's
1: so much fast and furious so, on that. So by
0: the way, supercar, um, no helicopter can go faster than, the, than that supercar. Uh-uh, no. Like, the fact that the, the helicopters are basically the most incompetent piece of, of surveillance technology ever. Their they're, helicopter is the only one following the fast car, and then because the fast car puts their brakes on and turns the headlights off, the helicopter loses them. They're going yes. the same direction! Yes. Stop and hover in one place with the lights on until yeah. the car goes! The, the car can't go off-road. It's like, how did they? the helicopter lost sight of them? Well, I, I wasn't no. sure whether the car turned around or not, and... That Just would, a 50-50 they'd, chance, They'd I be guess. going the opposite direction. Come on. Yeah. It's not that, you know, uh, if you can do, if you can follow someone through downtown Los Angeles on a police chase in a, in a a helicopter where tens of thousands of other cars are there. I think you can follow one car in the middle of the desert on a I'm kind of shocked
1: Because <laughs> they were hitting all of the classic crime movie, you know, heist cliches. I'm right. surprised they didn't do a thing where it split into like 20 of the same car going in a bunch R- of different yes. directions. Because yeah. they already did that with a bunch of guys in orange jumpsuits running all over. <laughs> yes. And they tackle them and they have that moment where Forrest Whitaker gets really pissed and throws his phone. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, that's a part of the movie where I'm like, oh, I'm really not going to like this, am I? Uh, I figured I was. It's like, and it wasn't really till the last 30, 40 minutes that I'm like, holy crap, I actually kind of like this movie. Well, the
0: last 30, 40 minutes plays like Magnificent Seven. Yes. So, I mean, and, that, and that's that's really the thing that redeems it, really, because the rest of it, I think all the stuff with the FBI could just be jettisoned entirely. And it would not make the movie. It does not make the movie better.
1: Yeah, it I'm doesn't. glad that they didn't do the thing where the FBI shows up and they have the team up between Arnold and Forrest Whitaker, yeah. that Forrest Whitaker shows up kind of like the colonel in First Blood <laughs> or was at the end of Commando where he shows up is like uh, it's like. I see you've been here before. You know, that uh, guy I'm here to show the the podunk sheriff some respect. Right, right. Um, I like that he shows up and is impressed with him, rather than he becomes part of the action, and then they're like, they do the thing where they both nod and get on motorcycles or some shit that we've seen a thousand <laughs> times.
2: Or imagine if he shows up, doesn't have to say anything at all. They just look at and each nod. other and nod. like, maybe swap some ammo and then just go, and they know already know what their strategy is.
1: Yeah, you just, you look over while someone's being patched up by a paramedic and you both nod. Yes. <laughs> That's how men show feelings. <laughs> yeah, it's. Oh my god. But yeah, I think again, it's that the Magnificent Seven, small scale. We're five yeah. people taking on twenty people. It, that's the stuff that works. The conception of it was it's
0: it's interesting. The conception of it was is that it looks like a, an old west backlot town is what it looks like, and of course they're setting up r- uh, roadblocks so people have to get out of their cars and we have to sh- you like shoot each other. It's like the showdown at the OK Corral. It's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Um. And it and I think that that's the part of the movie that you want to see. You want to see more of that, and you want to see less of the less of the Cortez cartel guy. Um, talking to the hostage who he's paid off in his car and doing all this. Watch this. Like, none of that lands at all.
1: Everything there feels so cliche. And that's the stuff that just I'm not interested in. It's the quirky stuff, the fact that it's small scale, a bunch of people defending their town that they live in and all the people that they know in the diner who refuse to leave. Right. It's that kind of stuff where it's like about five people versus 20. And it's a bunch of mercs who are like, who the fuck are these guys? A bunch of podunk sheriff's deputies. And I like the idea that the movie is essentially them arming themselves for battle using the local gun nuts can, like arsenal. Can
0: we talk about this, though? Can we talk about the Dinkum Firearms Museum? Yes. This movie has the distinction of being able to cast the the role of like a depraved gun loving fanatic. Um, that's I think is a real scary phenomenon in America. As a heroic act, <laughs> it's like finally my paranoia is validated. I can use all these guns to shoot criminals, like you know, because he's got like thousands of guns in there he's got he's got a sword and a mace like Louis yeah, guzman has you, a sword and did a you mace? recognize that sword oh was it the conan that is sword? a fucking conan sword, conan
1: sword. <laughs> that is the conan sword that is a wonderful little easter egg it's the same one where they're doing the lock and load scene Louis guzman right. is trying to force that morning star <laughs> thing under his belt <laughs> and i'm like i i gotta say that's one of my things that i really liked is this movie's commitment to novelty weapons <laughs> <laughs> it's true yeah yeah I mean, there's that bit, too, where Luis Guzman, appears that he got blown up in that car, and he comes out of the... He's got a Tommy gun. Yeah, fucking Tommy gun. Luis Guzman with a Tommy gun is amazing. Like, he's fucking (laughs) Capone or something. It's great. Um, And they they allow those things to play straight. I mean, it would be so easy for this movie to devolve into something like Home Alone. where you're doing wacky things and goofy things, and it's like, no, they're fucking killing these people. So, yeah, they get the high-powered sniper rifle, and, yeah, of course, they get the Tommy gun, and they use the same... High-powered like elephant gun revolver and the right. gatling gun, and I kind of right. love that. And there's a mention but not an appearance of nunchucks at one point. Yes, <laughs> and, to- and throughout the entire battle uh, scene at the end, of course, Johnny Knoxville's wearing that samurai helmet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, Sean. So does
0: this, does this move the needle for you at all? I don't. I don't even know if you are a fan like we are of the genre of 80s action movie because we because we conceit we can we are our conceit is is that 80s action movie is its own genre apart from action movies and we want to know like was this, this especially the shootout part was it exciting to you was it boring like where do you land on that well i think that my favorite piece of this
2: that this took from the 80s action movie genre was the one-liners that arnold had like welcome to somerton like, right. oh, yeah. he, <laughs> he gets he definitely gets his share of one-liners for sure and so it's like I know, I know enough about 80s action movies to know that. And my question to you guys is, is that an Arnold thing, an 80s movie thing, both? I think
1: it's it's peanut butter and jelly. I think that the 80s loved that stuff, but I think Arnold is sort of the living embodiment of that thing. That Let's
0: just put it this way. It probably wasn't in the script before Arnold was on there.
1: No. I think when you, ever you put Arnold in the lead role of a movie that had a script that wasn't written for him, you make adjustments to play to Arnold's strengths. And in this case... I'm, I'm, I really don't want to say it this way because it sounds like an insult, but it's really not. But Arnold is kind of like Donald Duck in the sense that you have to change the scripts to um, steer into his voice and accent. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. say things that sound really good and things that work for him. It works punchy, but also stuff that let him smirk a little bit, which is why I am the sheriff. And he gets to... <laughs> pop that dude right between the eyes with the yeah i don't gun. i don't
2: think liam neeson could have said i am the sheriff and it's <laughs> like uh, uh, you think so he would yeah i think he could how have. would he how would he say it? i want to hear your
0: imf- imf- impersonation I, i'm the sheriff <laughs> no i can't do it can't it has to liam be neeson, kind so of
1: half american half irish yes yeah. oh yeah i think um arnold he just has a moist that lends itself to catchphrases That There are catchphrases, and we talked about this with the Bond movies, is that there's catchphrases in Bond movies that work and don't work. Half of it is the catchphrase itself, and half of it is the delivery. And I think Arnold has this unique ability to overcome even the writing of a lot of catchphrases and make bad ones land.
2: Yeah, well, I have to be honest with you. Welcome to Somerton. Like, that's not very clever, but it's like, I'm going to roll with it because he's saying it. You yeah. know, <laughs> and it just sort of, you know what? I'm going to accept it
0: and, and he, go with that. Yeah, <laughs> he
1: makes it work, I think. Oh, well,
0: now, what was Ray's, it's, the sheriff's name is Ray. What was his last name? Owens. Ray o- Owens.
1: But the same thing at the at the end when he's on the
0: bridge. You make us immigrants look bad. Yeah,
1: so they really do play up the fact that he is an immigrant. You think they would have right. changed his last name to like, I don't know, like Schopenhauer yeah, Stiebel. or something. Yeah. yeah, something like a German-ish sounding name. Uh, I, but I guess Owens was the name in the script. And they were like, yeah, fuck it, right? I mean, this is what
0: they usually do with Arnold. Like names. his name is John Kimball. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: oh <laughs> uh, it's like yeah whatever did he yeah. change
2: his name like what's the story or was it really just owens you it know? could be Somehow.
1: owens
0: that was a, that was an, e- the, an easter island no that was not as an ellis, ellis island, thing. Ellis <laughs> island? was an easter island thing where the giant stone head makes yes. you change your last name
1: it was owens but had an umlaut on it <laughs> before uh-huh.
2: yeah well when you capitalize it i don't think you you keep it anymore so we, we could say it's there it's <laughs> so, <laughs> sort of secretly there
0: oh. it's there in the script well, uh, there there is a there is a definitely a a uh, western a wild west showdown on the bridge. Yeah, that that and there's clearly I I don't know how to unpack it, but there's clearly like some um, some post racial America sort of motif going on there between. There's a battle that's standing between uh, that's the open bridge between America and Mexico, and you know the bad guy saying, "Okay, I'll give you twenty million if you just look aside," you know that sort of thing, and then. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has to be the uncorruptible, untouchable law enforcement. Oh, you know? and he does
1: one of my favorite things in the world. When the good guy throws handcuffs at the bad guy's feet <laughs> and you put them on yourself. <laughs> I kind of love that. There, there's plenty of
0: good defenestration in this, too, which is my favorite trope. Including favorite. an old lady. Yes. An old lady
1: shoots somebody. and they, you know You can shoot somebody in a movie. But when you shoot somebody and they immediately crash through a window... <laughs> It, it's, it brings back a little <laughs> bit of the nineteen eighties, where an old lady will, out of nowhere, kill somebody or swear, and it's <laughs> like you put the hurt on him, Ray. <laughs> Did you
2: catch the uh, at the end? The police officer was questioning her, and yes. she's like,
1: "That's why I killed
0: him." And then the <laughs> officer's
2: like nodding. And, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I want. So this is also something that uh, that might be po- like the immigration thing was sort of post governorship Arnold, where I, he thinks he. I think he clearly thinks of himself as more than just. Um, than just the sum of his movies before the governorship, because I think he he legitimately feels that he rep- he represents something bigger, and I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that he added had them add that line to the end of the movie the immigration line. Oh yeah. Um, I will say though that in the sort of intermediary period where they're kind of have a detective story and he's trying to piece it together and the FBI hasn't given him i, I kind of feel like he's doing this serious squinty face thing that looks a little bit like George W Bush did you catch that <laughs> no. he kind of was like i don't, I see, you don't see the serious squinty face in arnold movies you kind of he kind of has a stare in most Arnold movies. He had like kind of like a and maybe it's just his plastic surgery or a thing around his eyes. I just kept seeing this squinty like serious look, and I'm like, wait, 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 is this W? Is this, <laughs> is this W
1: happening here? I just kind of took it as old Arnold. No. Um, again, steering into not running away from the fact that he's old. This is the same problem with like the last uh, Roger Moore Bond movie where. He's almost sixty, but they want to act as if he's thirty-five. Right. I like that they don't try to hide from his age. And there's a part where he's has a showdown with the bad guy on the bridge, and the bad guy refers to him as uh, refers to Arnold as abuelito, you um, know, little my, gran- my grandpa, yeah, little, basically calling him grandpa. Yeah. I kind of love that because most movies, um, because of a lot of action stars' egos. Tom Cruise would never allow his age to be called out in a movie. No. And most people don't. And that's I kind of like when an action star just kind of owns it. They don't have that same kind of Hulk Hogan insecurity where everyone else has to make me look great. But, you know, Arnold still gets the little badass moments that... He's still like, you know, like all of those calluses of all the things that he's seen have just made him stronger. (laughs) Can you
2: can you unpack that for me? The Hulk Hogan needs to everyone to help him look great thing.
1: Oh, sure. Hulk Hogan um, wrestled up until his late 50s and Hulk Hogan was never exactly the fastest, strongest guy in the world, even in his prime that in the 1980s, he was in his 30s. So even then he was balding. And even then, he wasn't fast. And you can only imagine these things have only become (laughs) even more so uh, by the time he got really old. So there were times during one of his last runs in WWE where when he would run down to the ring, they'd keep the camera off of him. Because, Uh you know, obviously, I don't know how many decades of doing the leg drop and falling on your butt have not been good for your hips. (laughs) And that you do take a lot of tear on your body and... You know, he's just... It kind of breaks the suspension of disbelief when you have guys that are in their 20s getting beaten up by a guy who looks like he can hardly move.
0: Yeah, and in in a movie, and especially in an Arnold movie... um... Actors, big-name actors, usually get – they cut around it. They get you a stunt actor who looks – has a similar physique and has their – can do their hair the right way. And in this one, like I said before, there's a lot of cutting around Arnold. Um You can see – I thought that him shooting people with the shotgun out of the, the window of the car was also in deference to the fact that Arnold – just has a harder time looking like a badass firing a shotgun, so it's easier to do it from the seat, seated position inside of a car. So, but with Arnold, though, I mean, you can. It's clear. It's clear that he's slow. There's one. There's one time when he's he's going inside. I can't remember what it is, and you see him running up one half of a flight of stairs, and I was like, "That's as much as you're going to see. Yeah. You're going to see Arnold running up a half a flight of stairs, and that's as much activity as you're actually going to see yeah. him doing one shot."
1: But the fact that he would like crash through a window during the fight, and the line that uh, the guy at the diner goes, "How you feeling, sheriff?" and he's like old right I mean that's a thing Hulk Hogan would never allow because Hulk Hogan wants to continue to play as if he's 35 and have reality bend around him as if he's 35 Mm. when he clearly isn't and all it does is make everyone else clearly play fight with him rather than acknowledge what's happening on screen and write around it yeah, you can do things like have Arnold still have some crazy feats of strength, but when he acknowledges in character that he's not as fast as he used to be, hmm. then it it helps the movie out a bit, because it helps not break that fourth wall and just go, yeah, what I'm watching isn't real.
0: Well, and also you realize the conception of the way this movie was made, because it's not it's not commando. No. It's not Arnold doing it. It's Arnold with a crew of people who are loyal to him, who they feel... They feel like they need to defend because one of their own was killed. Um, he he doesn't have to do all the fighting, right? He has five, six other people who are capable fighters, and you know, to do the fighting for him. So, in in that way, it also plays to the It'll it plays to the strength of like Arnold just can't do it all anymore. But that's okay because Arnold can be the leader in a ensemble action movie, and he, he is, and he does.
1: Yeah, you have to find somebody's strengths and do it in a way that doesn't, you know, because if he was. Using karate and beating up guys that were like twenty one, you'd be like, "Okay, I could believe it even when he was forty, but I can't believe it now." Hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that they do a good job of, of steering into it, not denying that it's there.
0: And they don't they don't give uh, Arnold a romantic uh, a romantic interest or romance interest at all. No,
1: no, he's he's just the mentor character, right? And I I like that. I I like the crew of deputies that they have. Mm-hmm. I like that the the. Um, the actors are all good and seem to be having fun doing it. And I'm, I was happy with that last 30 to 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah.
0: Maybe what I was dreading really was the, that middle half an hour where it's all the FBI stuff that was just so, such, such a trudge to get through.
1: I think what this movie really needed, honestly, was another screenwriter to come in and punch up the dialogue, make that better. Cut out a lot of the cliches that we had at the, the first half of the movie because it felt like a thousand other, you know, crusty FBI agents chasing the super criminal who has the really cool suit without the tie sort of thing. I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen that a thousand times where he's got a crew of guys that work like clockwork and do amazing things. And he escapes in the coolest car in the world and everything is just a little too perfect. Mm-hmm. And... um we've seen it a thousand times to the point that every one of these things is a cliche and a second screenwriter could come in and clean a lot of that out add a couple moments of, of ingenuity and creativity into that. Like, I think a lot of that stuff is in the second half. A lot of the real creative fun stuff that you haven't seen before happens in the second half of that movie when it's actually just, you know, the, you said the magnificent seven part. Um, like there's that, like submarine warfare in cars in a cornfield oh, yeah. where they don't they can't see each other through all the corn and they're trying to moving slowly and they're right. trying not to make sound to alert the other one to the other one's presence and that part i thought was actually really yeah, cool
0: that was a good set piece for sure
1: and a lot of ones wouldn't do that and the idea that he runs for it on foot and arnold's like i already know where he's going And uh, gets on the bridge in that cool little, you know. And again, it plays up the Western angle of it. Because Arnold throughout this movie is kind of dressed like Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, mean, Mm -hmm. he is the sheriff. He's a sheriff standing across in gunfighter pose at the end of that bridge. That's the stuff that really works. Mm -hmm. Because it's drawing on things that are older in movies than... Like the last ten years of action thriller movies right. that we've which, seen... which
0: obviously, clearly, a lot of the a lot of the in between stuff that we didn't like as much was drawing from Fast and the Furious, and it just it just didn't play well, you know. Yeah,
1: there isn't enough new, creative, fun, interesting stuff in that. It just feels like, oh, I'm watching just derivative stuff. Yeah, that's that's actually a good time, the good
0: point I think to pull you with the, our final questions, right? Because absolutely, we 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 always ask uh, the last two things is. Do you think this was a good movie, Sean? Um it was it was okay.
2: <laughs> like it's not it's not life-changing, but I would watch it again. Like I don't think it would be um that hard to to get me to watch it again in like 6 months. Oh, wow. You know, it's yeah. So it's um but then again, like I haven't seen all the other Arnold movies. I've only seen a couple of the Fast and the Furious movies. So, hmm. a lot of the things that you've seen a hundred times, I've seen five times. Okay. <laughs> it works. Well, what about you, Mike?
1: I would say this is kind of a, a weird qualification, but I like part of it is a good movie. If I was going to watch this movie again, I would probably jump to about 40 to 50 minutes into it. Mm. Then mm. I would skip the entire beginning and get to just. The last action set pieces, because there's three mm. of them in a row. There's Town Defense, then there's Cornfield, and then there's Bridge. Yep. And that stuff is great. That stuff, I would say, that is a good movie. Mm. It feels like a movie, again, that just has uh, a screenwriter who just needs a co-writer or just needs somebody to come in and punch it up and fix it.
0: It's funny. This feels like it has the same problem as with, with Rogue One.
1: <laughs> yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. that, did, that you, did you feel like
2: um, maybe for the... First half of the movie, it felt like maybe you were watching two different movies that oh, you yeah. kept it switching oh, yeah. back and forth. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: and the one at the beginning of the movie that you know, again, the one of the cliches we talked about is not the movie I want to watch. Yep. And I think maybe because clearly even the second half of the movie is not a masterpiece, but I would say that I since I went into this movie expecting to hate it, <laughs> my expectations were at rock bottom levels. So I really did sort of enjoy it. I like that it doesn't have a huge scale that there isn't like a nuclear bomb or a deadly virus yeah, inside yeah. of the supercar yeah. that it's just about a single criminal trying to escape into Mexico. And with Arnold, it's just a personal question of like pride and honor and duty. And the fact that this badge means something to me, I mean, it just becomes that. And it's just that the same with his deputies.
0: That That's so weird to me that we, that we, we talk about it this way being such a broken disjointed movie, because uh, one of the things on the trivia was also that, Um, For the year before it came, with the 2011 or something, it was it was rated as one of the top 10 best unproduced scripts. Yeah. So it makes you wonder if like if it was very different or if just like the bar for action movies is so fucking low.
1: I think it's a little different on the page than when you see it. Sometimes Hmm. I think because there's a lot of visual cliches that they don't. When you read a script, it's a different experience than seeing a movie. And I think that a lot of the stuff we liked in the action. Um, I mean,
2: has any, has any other movie, though, had that thing where a magnetic lift on a crane picks up your car and oh, somehow- it's
0: been done on Fast and uh, the Furious oh, several times, I think. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, I've seen it in other movies I can't really name, but I can think of movies where the, the crane pulls a thing over and rips a police car up and the person escapes, or they escape on it, or, you know, there's That's all... too
2: bad, because I was, like, so impressed by that, because <laughs> the first time I saw it. I was like, whoa, that's clever. So it totally
1: worked on an <laughs> yes. audience of one, for yes. sure. The first part of the movie is not a good movie, but the second half of the movie hmm. is a good movie.
0: Fair enough. Well, you know what my opinion of it is. It's yeah. I mean, my opinion is is that I I probably wouldn't watch it again of, over another Arnold movie. I mean, oh, there's so many more. So it's many not
1: going to be like. top ten. So, uh, question two um, again: mm-hmm. Is this a good Arnold movie? Yeah. Does this get admitted into that that pantheon that we like to call the Schwarzenegger canon? Oh
0: man, that's a tough question. I,
2: this is like the. Uh... Like the downloadable content that everyone forgets. This is this isn't going to be. Um, this isn't. This is like a little bonus if you like Arnold. I don't think this is going to be put up as his best work. I don't think.
0: Yeah, I'm. am I'm inclined to agree. I think it does so many Arnold things right to put pl- to play to the strengths and weaknesses of Arnold as a. P- 60 year old plus actor. I don't think it's ever going to be in the top 10 or the top 15 or the top 20 old movies. I agree. Um, So I'm going to have to say it's not Canon.
1: Yeah. I, there's pieces of it. I want to put into the Canon. And I don't know if I'm allowed to do something piecemeal. I have to take the entire thing. I could never put this into a Mount Rushmore of Arnold. I couldn't no. put this up there with Terminator Two or Predator or Commando. It's well, I mean,
2: I wasn't even sure that Arnold was the main character for like the first half of the movie too, because it's like it's like two two different stories that end up converging, and it's like I'm not sure if Arnold's the main character right now. I mean. He's could was the have, hero at that. Yeah, he easily though. could
0: have died two thirds in, and you would have been. you had like an executive decision, you know, yeah. Thing where it's like, oh well, one of these guys you thought was uh, the hero is dying, and then there's another hero who has to step forward. Could have been that.
1: Yeah, could I have seen that. I will say there's two bits that I really liked, and I wish I could have put them into a different Arnold movie. On the bridge, Arnold used, uses two separate professional wrestling moves in the course of the fight, <laughs> <laughs> and. Pro-wrestling moves being used in an action movie is something that I absolutely love as both a wrestling fan and as a I-love-stupid-shit-happening-in-movies fan. Um, The more impractical the professional wrestling (laughs) move is, the better. I feel like most of
2: those professional wrestling moves are hurt both people. Yes. Like,
1: I'm like, that only hurts the other guy slightly more. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he uses a German suplex, which is where, you know, he grabs a bad guy around the waist from behind and lifts him up and slams him down over his back. Um, That one I love. That's an old favorite. And he power bombs the fucking guy when he's got a mug. He's choking Arnold with his legs. And Arnold just picks up the guy's whole body and slams him down on a rail on the side of the bridge. Oh, it looks like he breaks
0: his neck. I actually expected the the Cortez to be dead. Oh, Because it God. looks like he goes... I, like thought, a...
2: I thought Cortez was going to do like that thing that luchadors do where it's like the power bomb uh, counter where you like s- you twist on your way down and somehow it oh! transforms into throwing off the bridge. <laughs> the I, mean, I mean, obviously, <laughs> like that, I guess that come to think of it doesn't fit into the story if Arnold falls <laughs> off the bridge and that's the end of the movie. If we want to hit all the, the cliches,
1: of
0: course, the, the
1: cartel leader has luchador training. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I mean, it, actually, it would. That's a cliche. They didn't do is Arnold doesn't hang off of the side of the bridge and oh. pull himself back up after having his fingers stomped on.
1: Oh, which they did.
0: What that's true. I get points credit due to the movie for not doing that shit i hate cliffhangers i do i mean but i also don't like the movie cliffhanger all that much but that's a different story when do we
2: when do we get to the point though where there's nothing left you can think of for action movies because everything's been done and everything's a cliche
1: oh i think if you you can twist it in some way to add a new element to it or you can add them in new combinations Mm -hmm. or you can do them in a new context Or you can make a new joke about it that's sort of meta-contextual. You can sort of do it. But I think a lot of times when you're just doing something note for note because you saw it in another movie and you thought it was really cool, that's the stuff where I just kind of go, okay, you're trying to get the same reaction from the same thing that's already been done before, yep. which is, oh my god, these guys are so cool, and you're like, well, yeah, but it was also really cool when they did that in Point Break. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so the cor-
2: the cornfield does that pass the test of being new? Or
1: I'd that say so. Done? I've seen
0: it before, but um, but I but I liked it. I liked it an awful lot. I like yeah. the
1: idea of them actually both trying to be quiet. And the cornfield is not a location I've seen that done before in Cars. Where it was kind of like the end of Star Trek Two, it was kind of the way the Enterprise fought Khan. <laughs> it's a very similar thing. His
0: patterns suggest two-dimensional thinking.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so Sean, I want to thank you for oh, being yeah. part of this discussion. <laughs>
0: Yes, you're always a good guinea pig. You're a unicorn, sir. Yes. We're going to bring you back on just for that purpose.
2: Awesome. uh, Anything with a twist, although you need to put me on occasionally for movies that don't have twists, so I'm not expecting the twist, which you've done today, so now I'm ready for the (laughs) twist movie, unless now we both know it, so now it's sort of like that Princess Bride thing, which cup has the poison, you know, anyway.
1: (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for being on, Sean. You will. Thanks, (laughs) Sean. All right. We will see you guys in a couple months. Bye-bye. podcast a la vista baby is a production of radio versus the martians and is hosted by mike gillis and casey doran this podcast is recorded in tacoma washington and edited by mike gillis our original theme music was written and performed by james wetzel with opening narration by dan lombardo special thanks to sam mulvey rob kelly james wetzel paul rue and dan lombardo please take the time to rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can find us online at podcastalavistababy.com and radioversusthemartians.com Torrance, where's the fire coming from?
2: Behind you, roof next to the diner.
1: Cover me, guys. Yes, sir! How are you, Sheriff?
2: Old.